Hello, good folks, and welcome to another episode of Down by the Creek, the podcast with the main mission of appreciating the chaos in Cape Side that is Dawson's Creek. I am Alvin Williams, a novice creaker who, you know, uh, three episodes ago, three long episodes ago, started this podcast with a mission to figure out how to decipher the whiteness of this show. Every episode, I get a little step closer to my mission, and this episode is no different. Uh, joining me, this creek. She is an incredible investigative podcaster, so that means she definitely agrees with me that there is a serial killer in Cape Side, and his name is Dawson Leary. Please give it up for Laura Norton. Hi. Laura, thank you so much for joining me to do this podcast. I understand that this is a ridiculous ask, and I, I blew my favor to ask you to watch an episode of Dawson's Creek, but I feel like it's worth it. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I think actually um, I owed you a couple of favors for coming on the fall line and doing some lines for us. So I feel like we're kind of even now. I, I broke even off of off of one ask, and that's fair because this is a ridiculous show. Um, wow. Uh, asked, I asked you to watch episode four, Discovery, and uh, we discovered a lot in this episode. I believe that you just – did you just watch this episode? I just watched this one. I love that. I love that. That's my favorite part is as, as we go further in because, you know – you do episode one with somebody and you, they're just as fresh as you are. But I, the further down the line we get, I like somebody just jumping in on episode nine. And they're like, I don't know who any of these people are. This is nonsense. So I'm glad to put you in a situation like that. Uh, but I'm ready to just get right into this because we've already done a little bit of talking beforehand. And I know you have some thoughts and I'm ready to dive in. So let's really start at, you know, at point A, okay? Dawson's Creek premiered in 1998. It was a Tuesday. So what I would like to know is, what was Laura doing on a Tuesday in 1998? Oh, man. Um, my memory of that time is a sure. little hazy. That's a good sign of what yeah, I can take a guess of I, what, my, what you might have been doing. I was being really punk rock. That was kind of my focus. But I remember this show being on the air. And I remember seeing ads. And I was either... I'm bad with time. I'd have to ask Brooke, but I was either graduating high school okay. or going into college. One of the two. So then um, you super related to the show then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very much <laughs> like my life in Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> living in the city. of Atlanta. Let me add that because people say they're from Atlanta, but they really mean they're from an hour and a half away. Yeah. Um, from the city of Atlanta, Georgia, much like my life with the tugboats. <laughs> yeah. And just white people Fish, yeah. <laughs> for thousands of miles. Yeah. Seafood restaurants on wharfs. Yes. You know, Atlanta. Things Atlanta's known for. Folk folk art. Um yeah. <laughs> just just straight yeah. It was nothing like that. But I do remember that people talked a lot about a guy named Pacey. Yeah. And I remember that he had this Caesar haircut that was just startlingly popular at the time because George Clooney had it. And it was the bad boy haircut and it was kind of a signal that someone was a bad boy on a television yeah, because, show because well, everybody else had their hair just kind of full and shaggy and uh, slick back full a bit. back with some pieces in the front to show that you yeah. cry sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the caesar cut meant that like you were bad and like you might slap somebody wow okay mm -hmm. he does not exude that at all no so are you saying that this character pacey may have ruined the caesar cut I, I, you know, it's that was just my impression of him because I kind of looked at them and I'm like, okay, there's the. Oh, so you looked at him. You're saying you when you when you turned the show on, you looked at him and you were like, oh, 
A bad boy. Yeah, that's the archetype I remember from the 90s. And then I saw uh, Joey and I was like, oh, she's all that. They just throw some glasses on her. You know, yeah, and then yeah, and then she's like a nerd and, and not pretty somehow. Yeah, yeah. throw some glasses on her, and for some reason we don't notice she's startlingly attractive. Yeah, and then there's the blonde girl. Yes, and that was kind of <laughs> casting in the '90s, and so that's kind yes. of what I was expecting. But then things took a turn. Yeah, oh yeah, this show is absolutely bananas. Now you mentioned uh, your your punk roots. What were you listening to in 1998? Oh. I'm assuming it wasn't Sarah McLaughlin or, or oh you know, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it was very you know of course like everybody. Toad the wet sprocket. Everybody else that age, like if it was on the radio, I was like, I can't no. listen. That's not punk rock, you know. So so conformist, you know exactly. So the, yeah. like the, the Misfits and the Dead Kennedys and the Subhumans and. Okay. Uh, the Cro-Mags and Crass and all that stuff where people scream Bad Brains yeah. is one of my favorite bands and throw themselves at pe- I, I met my husband in a mosh pit. Wow. If that That's amazing. kinda helps That's contextualize amazing. things. Yeah. He, so he, was it was it an elbow or he what, actually, what really um not I wasn't actually in it. I was on the edge. You never stand okay. there. Knock you me saw down. him you saw him just going for it. He just and really spoke to you. grievously injured me. Um <laughs> <laughs> And then the next week actually saw me at a show and said, hi, you're pretty. And I'm like, I, I don't like you. You hurt me really badly. I went to work and they asked me um, to reconsider my lifestyle. And we're concerned because I was a graduate teaching assistant. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're married and have a small child. So what all worked out? That doesn't relate to Dawson's Creek, except to at say all. That it's like the opposite. Th- that's way more entertaining than the four episodes of Dawson's Creek that I've watched. At least like contextually and, and like from a storyline aspect the, the 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 nonsense in this show is completely entertaining i don't want to get that twisted at all i've been loving this show four episodes in and i just for a little background of myself in 1998 i was watching anything but dawson's creek you know i was watching like you know buffy the vampire slayer but after that i was mostly watching like black sitcoms you know and so while i know this show exists i know most of the you know uh uh, plot twists and the the relationship storylines just because it was at a point a really big show but I've never watched this show so it really is a first watch for me and I love it it's so problematic and outdated and crazy dialogue and I love every minute of it it's and I'm, horrifying I've really been, yeah <laughs> like, this got this got picked up and was on for like six seasons and critically acclaimed amazing. according to Wikipedia which I always trust first and foremost yeah <laughs> yeah well Wikipedia knows what they're talking about but um so let's get into it so we watched season one episode four discovery if you're just listening and didn't watch the episode first of all Hit pause. Go watch the episode. You won't regret it. Go watch the episode. Come back and let's get into it. So uh, episode four, Discovery. After videotaping Tamara's sexual encounter with an unknown partner and learning of his mom's infidelity, Dawson discovers the, the truth about Jen's past, which is, oh, my God, it's so shocking and morally wrong, her past. Um, do you think that, do you think that sums up this episode pretty well like, before we get into it? I think it really does. I mean, there's a lot of smaller things, you know, oh, ton, to talk about, but yeah, I think that is the crux of the plot for sure. So, uh, so we open up on Dawson editing his little shitty movie and you, you, you just watched this first episode. So he's basically remaking the creature of the black lagoon, which I think you could pick up on that. Even just watching yeah. two seconds of the, you know, B roll footage and everything from this movie that he's making. And it's a really bad movie, but he's. He thinks that he's Steven Spielberg. So, you know, he's over the in front of the camera, the monitor really, you know, breaking down. Maybe I'll cut this bit of footage out and everything like that. 
And then Joey and is there as she always is. I don't know if you know their dynamic, but Joey's kind of like his his uh, footstool, and you know, so she's always there, you know, from a f- longing. And you know, he's not only editing his video but obsessing over Jen, which is I've been keeping notes of the times that Dawson is showing serial killer tendencies, and I've only watched four episodes, and the list is just it's off the charts. Every episode he does something where I go, "This is not normal," and you're scary. You're a scary person. Was it the slow-mo walk that was bothering you? It was the way he was analyzing and and fawning over something that he's probably watched over and over and over again. I know that's not the first time he did that. And for him to do it while a guest is there means he's <laughs> like not in front of the guest. Yeah, like you know, you know what we would be really entertaining while we're hanging out? You watching me watch the girl I'm obsessed with. It just sounds like a fun hang, you know? That's a, that's a big 90s movie cliche is yes. the slow walk of the pretty oh, girl yeah. while oh, yeah. the dopey guy stares at her. Yes. But you're right that Dawson does it in such a way where you kind of just feel cold. It feels uncomfortable. Yeah, you feel yeah. cold inside and you well, kind yes. of worry. <laughs> because he doesn't, he doesn't exude any teenageness in his mannerisms. He acts like a 43-year-old. So where a guy, the, the actor, Joshua Jackson, who's playing Pacey, might be like, whoa, man, she's hot. Dawson just kind of puts his fingers on his chin and is like, I, I want that. It's, it's, it's not as primal. It's like calculated. And so he terrifies me. And I think that this show, despite me knowing how it ends, I keep thinking that there's going to be an episode where he uh, kills somebody or goes into some kind of despondent state and just like finds a body in his closet. I think that that's going to be the twist of the show. Now, uh, they end up watching some B-roll footage and they discover uh, a sex tape of sorts with the teacher. She teaches English, I believe, the English teacher, Miss Jacobs, and a mystery man. And they're like, oh, this is salacious, like exciting. And then the next scene, they're all at uh, lunch at uh, the local restaurant, the Ice House, which is Katie Holmes. Her sister owns that restaurant. You have not watched the other episodes. I'm going to like hit hit you with the other like kind of exposition things. So the Ice House is owned by Katie Holmes' sister. So they're all having a nice little lunch there and talking about this sex tape, which is a fun time. That's That's always like a fun I've never discovered like a friend's sex tape or like a, a let alone a teacher's sex tape. That would probably be a pretty interesting conversation to have. I was wondering how they got all that food. Like I sat there, oh, it's I was free. like, they have tons of food just <laughs> spread out around teenagers. Yeah. You know, they get up and just leave. And I was like, Oh yeah. Did they have a tab? <laughs> so oh no, it's on it's sense. it's on Joey. <laughs> it's on Joey. Everything's on Joey. Everything's Dawson's on like, Thanks Joey. for feeding me and the girl I like. Thanks. Uh, we're gonna get out of here now. So uh also in that scene, Pacey's not doing a very good job of being coy about it's definitely him in the, in the in the video. He's like, first of all, he calls her Tamara, which is already weird. Like, that's bizarre, and it never happens because yeah. you know I'm a professor, and yeah. we go by first names in my field in creative writing. Yeah, but I have to spend six months breaking them down to get them yeah. to that point. Because, you know, they come in and they're like, Miss mm, Norton. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, we're first names here. And they're like, okay, mm, Professor yeah. Miss Norton. Like, they can't do it. They, they twitch because yeah. they think of their moms just slapping them. Yeah. You have to make them comfortable. It's yeah. not like an out of the gate thing. And so everyone should have stopped and stared at him and said, oh, this Tomorrow. foreshadowing has made it obvious that that's you in the video that yeah. was an, a giant plot device. Who leaves a video camera running? You know, <laughs> they would have all had it figured out right then. But yeah, but then we don't have a show. This is true. So, and that's why they have the whole metaphor. The, the whole film metaphor was cracking me up the whole time. 
Every, everything's a film metaphor in the show, Laura. Yeah. Everything's a film metaphor. Everything's breaking the fourth wall when they're saying we're, they're a cliche and I'm a cliche and this is my archetype character that I'm falling into. Like them speaking in film terms always has them breaking the fourth wall. And as a little bit of a creek fact that I've given before, but I'll give it to you, uh, Kevin Williamson, who created the show, also wrote the screenplay for Scream. So that's his thing is breaking the fourth wall and talking about things from an outside perspective while being in it and all that kind of stuff. So this is very his style to be like, oh, my God, I'm such a this archetype from a show, even though you're in a show talking about a show while people watch you on a show. It's like it's like his it's his thing. It's a film geek thing. And I was sat there wondering what job would Dawson and Pacey have now? With all these sure. obsessive film metaphors, oh, would they just have like a YouTube channel? Would they have be twi- Basically, would, oh, would they God, have live ugh. in a Twitch house? Like what would they are do? The, but are but are those the film those aren't film nerds. But where do they go? I don't even know where film nerds go in twenty twenty one. Wow, that's a really that's a depressing thought. Look, Video stores don't exist. Movie theaters don't exist. Maybe your listeners can write in. Yeah, like what is a film? What is somebody who loves film in 2021? Because it's not Jake Paul and those people on YouTube. They don't know anything about film. No. So it wouldn't be, I guess it could be some obscure YouTube account. They're, they're, those exist. It's not like there's different, like, you know, there's a spectrum of people on YouTube. I guess people who are into film may live on YouTube these days. Maybe there's Man, like that's a, a bummer. dark web, but just for film nerds. Yeah, it's like, what's that show? Uh, 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 Mystery Science Theater 2000? 3000. 3,000, yeah. yeah, it's like that, but that you have to put in some crazy passcode and you just get to see a live a live feed of people watching, like, you know, Art <laughs> film. Kurosawa films and stuff, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so anyway, uh, Jen and Dawson pick up, like you say, they're, uh, hey, you got, you got this, right? They pick up and leave and they have a nice walk. He's walking her to her Graham's house. They're having this whole conversation about how Pacey, you know, he, he talks a big game, but he hasn't done anything. They're really talking, you know, talking a little smack and being like, well, people who really know about stuff don't talk and this, that and the third. Just a bunch of, you know, flirty bullshit. And then they're about to kiss and Graham peeks her head through the window. And then Jen stops Dawson from kissing her. And then he goes, I guess we're not alone. And my line of the creek is when she goes, you know what, Dawson, uh, now may not be the best time for this. I take it we're not alone. Uh, practically a menage a trois. It sent shivers up my spine. It's like, it was really like, I got a visual immediately. It was too much. I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that like a 36-year-old would say if the toddler suddenly woke up and started <laughs> talking through the baby monitor. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's this not yeah. a 15-year-old line. And definitely it's don't a line from like grandma. a Kirstie Alley. It's a line from like a Kirstie Alley movie. Yes. Yeah, it, it just is, it's just insane. It, it really is... Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. This is if a 40 year old person wrote a high school script and just used the dialogue that they use in their everyday life instead of looking like, what do kids say these days? There's no like, I don't remember 1998 fondly. I was young, but like, there, I know some of the slang and things like, there's no, none of the, none of them talk like teenagers. People talk, talk then pretty much like they talk now. You know, yeah, trade no out likes. a few words, yeah. things like that. But I mean, yeah. even some of the words we use now, like my students say, like for like salty, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody said that then. Yeah, like there's re- still just salty. Re- yeah. Yes, like I learned that in like eighth grade, and I was like, yeah. that's a good word, and like wrote it down, like in my notebook. Don't be salty yeah. about it. I was like, I'm that's I am not going to be salty, and I like wrote it yeah. down. They're you know? like, they're like Pacey Dawson's like Pacey, you're confounded. 
Yeah. Nobody says these things, man. He, it's it's absolutely insane. No one would <laughs> hang out with him in real life. Oh, no. and 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 that's we'll get. There's another game I like to play, so I, I feel like I get a little read of where you're gonna fall on my game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dawson, Dawson not only wouldn't be friends with Pacey because Pacey's a little much too, but he's like he's a teenager. Yeah, he's a guy who's like boobs, fast cars. Let's go see some funny movies, Corky's Revenge, whatever. And Dawson's like. Those those are those are um, immature juvenile acts, and um, I'd like to just you know reflect on some classic films from the 1960s. Like nobody wants to be around this guy. This guy isn't walking. He's not the cock's walk. Like this dude's walking around, pointing his finger at other people, calling them peons, calling them plebeians. He's just like I'm better than everybody, and it's nuts, man. Nobody in in real life, this dude would not be this arrogant. It's insane. Well, and he's remaking one of the best films of all time badly. <laughs> like the hubris, you know? Oh, my God. And you, because you haven't seen, there's another kid in his school who's the captain of the football team who's making a film for his film class. And the way he, like, shits on this dude's film as if he's making, you know, the best film of all time. He really, like, looks down on other people who also like films. He's like, yeah, but you don't appreciate films the way I appreciate films. He really is, he's an arrogant asshole. Are really, we honestly. supposed to think his film is good? Yes. He is, he is, he is heralded throughout this, the first four episodes of the show as like a film prodigy. Okay. I was wondering because I could not figure out, okay, this is teacher nerd stuff, but yeah. I couldn't figure out the positioning of the narrative. Sure. Because normally when you get on there, there's signals people give you to tell you how to process stuff. Yeah. We'll get to that with the teacher later. And yes. so I'm sitting here and I'm like, how am I to process the fact that this is the shittiest movie I've ever seen? <laughs> but all these people are taking him seriously. Like, yeah. like, are they, are they, did they feel sorry for him? No, it's <laughs> like, it's like in Step Brothers when they, when they kept Will Ferrell's voice, but then everybody was blown away by his voice. You know, it's, it's that kind of device where... It's a bad movie, objectively, but within the plot of the mo the show, everybody's like, "Oh my God, uh, <laughs> you're you're a visionary." But you know, like they could have made it a good movie. They could have just they could have just made it a some kind of art house drama instead of making a, a the my opinion like the easiest genre to make at least to make badly. There are great horror films, but if you want to just make a horror film, you just throw a mask on somebody and have a girl scream. So it doesn't really show him being some visionary writer director you know cinematographer which is how he's perceived throughout the show as like when we get to when he runs into his mom at the store and her co-workers like oh my god she tells me how much of a, a director you are i'd love to see your film sometime this is how he laura this is how he's approached constantly throughout the show everybody who's like oh my god dawson i've heard of you you are like a visionary director right that's how everybody talks to this person and then you see his footage of his shitty movie and you go well, it, but that's not he's that's not what he's doing though. It's it, it's really fucking insane. large, fifteen year old <laughs> who finished puberty five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so Jen, after changing her mind when she sees that uh, Grant is watching, she decides to kiss Dawson out of spite, you know, to really get spicy because her grandmother's very judgmental. So she kisses Dawson out of spite rebelliously, and then she goes inside and gets an earful of Graham over a nice tall glass of milk, which, you know, we all like to have a nice tall glass of milk in the middle of the day. That's just, that's just <laughs> typical, you know, that's just a typical <laughs> beverage. And this is where the slut shaming begins. Uh, the episode is full of that. It's, it's pretty crazy. And that, I guess the term, the term didn't really, ex I mean, you know, somebody saying, hey, man, don't call me a slut existed. But 
like the term slut shaming didn't exist in 1998. So I thought it was. I want to give him. I want to give Kevin Williamson credit, and it. I want to. At least I hope. I have a tendency to give him too much credit. I've given him credit on episodes where I say he's doing something that he probably wasn't doing. But I like to think that maybe he is holding a mirror up to men in this episode saying, hey, don't do that because of how she takes it. But I think any show where a girl gets called a slut in in the 1990s is like, wow, that hurt my feelings. Not necessarily like a satirical take on it where you're going, this is he's bad for doing this. Like Dawson wasn't he never gets punished, but it's not like he ever had to reflect on his judgment on her in this episode. She never confronted him about it. Really? She she confronted him about blowing blowing her off. But she wasn't like, hey, man, like I had a life before I met you. And that's fine. You know, that conversation never happens. And then he just kind of gets forgiven as Dawson gets forgiven a lot in the show for just crazy things that he says. That's interesting, because, OK, if we go back to that idea, I'm going to I'm stop me if i get too nerdy sure but i have sometimes have to be stopped but if we go back (laughs) to that narrative positioning thing we do get clear signals with how she's positioned with what her life was like and how people react to it and how we're supposed to feel about those people we're not supposed to like her grandmother's treatment of her yeah so that's a signal to the audience that we're not supposed to agree yes and then when dawson says i want you to be honest with me and so she and opens right. up really vulnerably, and then he's like, "Yeah, I'll hold your disgusting slut hand." Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, and then treats her terribly. We're supposed oh to, God. even though he's the protagonist, we're supposed to. So, like, the fact is, they we they had to give us the situation with with his mother, which I'm sure you're yes. going to get into, oh, to make sure. him sympathetic enough that yeah. we won't hate him forever for his treatment of Jen. It's his excuse. Yes. But I'll give the director this. Just based on looking at the way that was positioned with narrative, it yeah. gives us a clear read on how we're supposed to take it. Yes. But it's also a tired trope. For sure. You know, to pop yes. a girl in, she's like, hi, I'm from the big city where we had the sex. And everyone's like, ah, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, in the small fast. town. She's fast. Yeah. All the parents are wearing those. By the way, you will see those suits oh, everyone's I love those. I got into these yeah the Elaine Bennis suit yeah nobody actually wore them <laughs> like they were on like Ali McBeal and everything yes. else a mini skirt suit yes I didn't see one of those a damn day in my life a skewt yeah because a, the mini skirt suit because like what if you dropped your briefcase you'd have to slowly yeah, you just can't, get, you can't to pick the that side, up roll you buy over, a new one get it with your teeth <laughs> roll back up it's like dropping your phone at a concert is gone now, that's why Ali McBeal had to be such a successful lawyer. She because if you drop your briefcase, you just go buy a new one. Yeah. You just leave it there. You can't you can't go pick it up because then everybody's going to see your butt. So uh, from uh, that scene of drama with uh, um, Jen and and um, Grams, which she really tells Grams, she basically tells Graham like, "Listen, you're boring and shut up." And she grabs a cookie with her milk and just leaves. It was really like I know Grams was slut shaming her a little bit and being kind of rude, but I've never seen somebody talk to the grandmother this way. It was like. Again, the dialogue comes in where it's like, oh, my God, we're going in these pedestrian circles and blah, 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 and you're you're boring, and let's just stop doing this. It was a kiss, and she just leaves. It's like, wow, okay, well, you know, I guess some people talk to their grandmother that way. Maybe <laughs> if they're all philosophy professors. Yeah, it's this is it's this is a, this show is like Frasier. Yeah. But everybody's 15. People do talk shit to their parents and grandparents. I've seen it happen personally. Sure. As, Not as like my that, eyes though. grew wide in the background because my mother... <laughs> would have murdered me yeah but but they certainly didn't deliver like a speech 
Oh my God. You know, yeah. where, where they say, like, I rescind my participation in this dialogue, <laughs> Granny. And then they take yeah. a cookie and go, you know? No. It's ins- it's it's truly insane. I've too have seen got people be like, Shut up, mom, or get out of my room. Anything like that. I would have related to more than her being it was almost like she she's like, I'm above this nonsense that you're promulgating to me right now. And so I'm gonna exit from the conversation before I say something I don't wanna say. That a fifteen year old said that. We can get it's fucking it, Yeah, we'll go get my learner's it. permit tomorrow. But for now yeah. this conversation <laughs> is over. So now we're back at the Leary residence where her, uh, where Dawson's himbo dad is staring at himself in the mirror and really just uh, admiring a scar that he has and his wife won't, doesn't remember the scar. And this is a, this is a thing throughout the, the show. Like he, his dad is like a beefcake idiot. And, um, but they are as intimate with each other as they are in this episode. So they have this, the, every episode they're making out everywhere, which is weird because of the, the storyline of them between them, right? It's super weird. You get no foreshadowing. You get no, you know, there are no plot devices that give you any kind of inclination that there's trouble in paradise, right? And because I've watched four episodes and you've only watched one, I have to assume that you haven't picked up on that there's trouble in paradise from that scene, right? No, I knew they were going, she was having an affair. Oh, okay. Is that from your time of, of angrily flipping through the channels and, and catching a half a second of Dawson's Creek, or you just could, you could read that. I teach plot. They will, they well that'll do that. But also so it, was, for, it was, it was, yeah. The foreshadowing on this show <laughs> is about as subtle as those tugboats. <laughs> I have, I have feelings on the tugboats, by the way, how are you going to have dramatic scenes with a tugboat going in the background? Yeah, it's picturesque. Just, so beautiful, man. Well, the honk, loud. The smoke. honk, you know, I, my feet, I feel shattered inside. Honk, you know, <laughs> But I just, anytime someone says you haven't been home much, yeah, and then yeah, they distract the other person by making out with them, yeah, people who have been married for 20 years don't just randomly make out. Somebody probably just ate Doritos. She's distracting him. Yes. I'm, okay. I'm willing to bet, I'm going to bet you $5 American that she's distracting him. Oh, yeah. That's definitely, I could see that being the case. I also could see after this episode, the makeout, the makeout percentage is dropping because now her back's up against the wall. People are starting to find her out. Stuff's getting, it's not as like, you know, as much of a little secret anymore. So she's not feeling as two worlds. It's like, oh, when I'm home, I'm this. But when I'm at work, it's this. Now they're starting to collide and it's getting a little chaotic. So I could see going forward, episode five, maybe it gets a little, you know, a little less flirty in the house with the husband and wife. So Dawson goes upstairs and he walks into his bedroom where he sees Pacey ransacking his room looking for this. T- I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And Dawson also, if you don't know, Dawson, this is another 90s trope. Dawson has a ladder constantly affixed to his bedroom window. So people can just come in and out just as much as they want to. It's, 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 it's pure chaos. That was big and, in the 90s. And it was so it just wasn't a thing. Nobody just left their window open no. and left the, the ladder just up. People did try. Like with, after seeing it in movies, yeah. Like like after like Clarissa explains it all. Yeah, was, they had that too. Yeah. and I would see kids that would have these leaned against their houses, <laughs> but my mom would be like, "That's how you get murdered," you know. Oh, just yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, But I think they were hoping that a cool person would climb through, but the only person who climbs through is there for killing. Absolutely, at the very least, burglaring. Uh, so yeah, so Pacey's upstairs ransacking Dawson's room. Dawson comes in. He's like, "Man, what are you doing, man?" They have a whole back and forth where Pacey reveals he is the mystery man in this sex tape with an adult woman. The uh, guy with the brown hair and the throbbing neck muscles. The guy with Tamara Jacobs. Uh, that's that's me. No. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm not just talking this time, Dawson, though. Oh, I wish I was, because off the top of my head, I can think of about 40 reasons why this tape could ruin my life. Not the least of which is the embarrassment factor. I mean, no guy's first time should be captured on video. Are you crazy? <laughs> I don't think there currently exists a word to describe my reaction. But I, I, I like her, Dawson. I really do. I, and it's, it's not just the sex, man. I, no, maybe this is too improbable or bizarre to ever work out, but I... Too yeah. bizarre might be a word, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is... This is gonna sound a little strange, but... On the tape, was, I mean... Did I... Did I look all right? <laughs> Performance-wise, did I cut it, man? Yeah, you did fine, man. And from what I could tell, man, you did fine. What a crazy fucking question. Like, if I found my friend's sex tape and <laughs> and it was, like, illegal, like, that was like, you're fucking an adult? Like, that's for one. My first question, my first, I would hope his first question to me isn't like, hey, man, but how'd I look, though? Was I, was I doing a good job? Like, hey, man, you have other stuff to worry about. But his whole complaint was very arrogant. Like he, and that's throughout the show because the first the episode before this is the first time they hook up, and he never really is giving concern about like, hey, you know, this woman is like committing a crime, right? He's like, I could get in trouble, or my future, or you know, it's embarrassing if people find out that I have a sex tape. It's you know, and she's bad, but he really, it's all about his angle, and there's two angles to it. But he really is like. Man, if people saw this sex tape, that would be embarrassing for me. It's like, no, she'd go to she'd go to jail, man. Like, you aren't really acknowledging the seriousness of the situation here. And I just thought that was on top of him not acknowledging the seriousness and just being sad. Like, I never get girls, and now I did. For him to ask Dawson how he looked in the tape is it's pretty hilarious. I thought that was it was, was supposed really to be a vulnerable moment, but it played as that Dawson had watched the entire video. Is what yeah. it played as. <laughs> And he saw had, him even. He had not stopped it, like, or I guess he just blocked himself really well for the whole time. But he had sat there and watched it to its entirety, versus Jen, and been like, "Yes, I took notes. You did yeah. great." I didn't know it was you, but I thought that the guy that was that was the mystery man was was crushing it. You know, Dawson's not at all concerned that this woman is at least thirty five. She says around thirty five, which means around she's older. She, she's about forty. Yeah. 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 I say I'm around 35, too. <laughs> you know, so like it's just he's not concerned at all. No. And I he's was like, what did I send to you as soon as I started watching this? Yeah, you said uh, <laughs> you said you would pick the episode where you know, they're, they're having sex with uh, uh, adults or, you know, something, <laughs> with something to that effect. Oh yeah, with God. a teacher. <laughs> yeah, let's see. yeah. Totally horrifying to me. <laughs> As an educator, it's the central plot line of the season. Uh, I know <laughs> it was, you it's didn't a do it to me personally. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I've never taught high school, but just even as a professor, you know that idea to me is so abhorrent. Yeah, and disgusting. It's, it's wrong. It's and any time I've ever seen it portrayed in a show, except for this show, it's made clear that the and also it's because it's a man most of the time. It's made clear that the person with the tenure the respect and the age is manipulating a younger person and they end up being a villain at the end. Now I have to assume at some point Tamara Jacobson becomes a villain, but as of right now, this is just a flirtatious date. They're dating. 
they're dating, they have these really genuine having- dating moments and throughout the episodes and there's no like there's no real like get out pacey or, or somebody might see us like it's always like a little flirtatious like oh my god they might they might see us you know so that's interesting i think that that's an interesting dynamic where if this was a man it would be played a lot more dark and they could have done so much with that too, because this is um, a child sex abuse situation by definition. You know, he can't consent. You know, so it's rape. And the show could have really, not that it ever would, but, but the show really could have, like, like if you look at the Mary uh, Kay Turno case, right? Yes. Like, we know that from the perspective of the child in the case, he felt like he was consenting. Absolutely. But if, As does Pacey. Yeah. But yeah. he didn't have his frontal lobes had not developed and he was being manipulated and groomed and couldn't consent to that. They could have really played with that concept. For sure. You know, and they could have really shown the complexity of, yes, you can have these feelings, but they're not your fault. You're the victim in the situation. The adult is the victimizer. And here are all the waves this creates during the sexual abuse. But instead, they're just chilling on her bed while she grades papers and he <laughs> reads a comic book and I'm making a barf face. Yes. You know? Oh, and in and, and previous episodes, it almost is played that he is he is the predator. Like, she's trying. She's making it clear, like, hey, this is wrong. And he's like, you know, sometimes when wrong things, sometimes the wrong things are the right things. Or whatever 15-year-old logic he uses. And she's like... I guess you are right. You know, it really play. It doesn't. She's never predatory. He's always the aggressor. There's a moment in, the, in one of the scenes where he comes into her classroom. That's always his energy towards her. Like, you're mine. I like you, you know, and I'm willing to do whatever kind of situation works best for you to not get in trouble. But I don't want you. And whenever she's like, we should stop this. He's like, no, no, we shouldn't stop it. It's awesome. Listen to me, a 15 year old. So yeah, so, so what's so funny is I guess they're doing that to give her enough sympathy to let the plot go on. I guess. But it's just so fallacious and gross and egregious. I don't know how many more big words I can use. Yeah. I was mad. I was well, working to, out. Yeah, you, you know, I was like getting madder and lifting more weights when I was watching it cuz I was just as an educator like that just is you're in a position the power dynamics are so yes. uneven. Yes, and especially absolutely. when you are entrusted with children, teenagers, they have their frontal lobes are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They're fetuses oh, yeah. yes. running around with shoes on. I feel like we are seeing that he's under he's slowly understanding that like, oh, this isn't what I want it. This can never be what I want it to be. And I think that's the best the show is going to do. I think the pacey part of it is probably not as horrifically handled. But once again, if we go back to that narrative positioning, they don't give us the position of how to read the teacher. That Absolutely. is that was my big problem. Yeah. They almost make her sympathetic. They do make Honest. her yeah. sympathetic. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she's like, you know, of course, you know, she's like, you don't like her because she's dating. A, I can't even say date abusing a 15 yeah. year old. But at the same time, the show goes out of their way to make her seem sympathetic in ways outside of the relationship. And I'm like, what are you doing, fool? Yeah, she's a gay rights advocate, you know, yeah. so all the, you know, they do a lot of things where they go, she's not as bad as it seems. Ugh, I think that's complexity the, to them, but it really yeah. does go back and reinforce that trope that if it's a boy, 
It's cool, and man. He likes woman. it. He's into it. Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you hear 20, 30 years later about trauma, and you hear these stories like Chris Brown and yeah. all these other really traumatic stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that have yeah. been so, normalized as like getting an older woman when really it yeah. was sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah, it's they're not gonna they're not gonna succeed. And I, again, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe six episodes from now, this story wraps up with a bow, and you go, "Wow, that was handled very well. The nuance of that was really covered." And but I don't think so. Well, t- so. well text me if it does. Happen. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, the spoiler alert is going to be like, a, "No, it ended how, how we thought it was. Okay. How we thought it would end." So uh, Pacey uh, he secures the sex tape and swears Dawson to secrecy. And then the next day, Joey and Dawson are out shopping for an anniversary present for his parents at a you know some kind of you know boutique you know that sells you know fishing reeds that they make into art and you know uh, um, landscape art and things like that. And um, Joey affirms to Dawson, like, this won't be hard, man. Your, your parents are old white people and, you know, they like folk art and, you know, boring stuff. So let's go to this L.L. Bean, basically, the L.L. Bean of art. And so they're in there looking at all kind of stuff. And then they see and this was a, this happened twice in this episode where um, Mrs. Leary, Dawson's mother, is just openly having an affair. There's no secrecy to it. Like they're just in the middle of this Brooks Brothers trying on a blazer she's she's being affectionate wiping off his shoulder i mean they look like a husband and wife and now you haven't watched the other episodes but in the first episode dawson just randomly says to joey do you think my mom's having an affair with bob who in this in this episode is played by a different guy that guy's name is rick reitz and in the earlier episode the first pilot episode bob was played by this guy named ted king who's not really known for anything but significantly less attractive than his himbo dad this guy's still less attractive than his himbo dad, but looks more like he might have played football in high school, you know, but then got over that and, you know, got a communications degree and started working at a news station, right? So in this, in this scene, when he's introduced to Bob, he's, he's like completely, you know, bewildered and unaffected by his earlier, you know, in, insinuation that his mom might be having, having an affair with this guy. He's like, oh, man, never mind. I was wrong. That guy's cool. Now, another thing you might not know is in this scene, you figure it out later, but Joey knows. You probably, you picked that up. You picked just from her eyes. Well, because, yeah, Joey acts with her face. Yes. It's a lot of like, mm-hmm. Very much. Yeah, I side talking. I couldn't see that, but yeah. yeah. Side talking and serious <laughs> eye shifting. Yeah, Katie yeah. Holmes is a very uh, facially, she really relies on her face for a lot of her acting and her emotions. And, you know, whatever. It's it's kind of her signature thing. It's like her and, Chris, and uh, Kristen Stewart are That's two exactly of the people. That's exactly who I'm like, was thinking about. Yeah, where it's like yeah. shoulder shrugs and, like, leaning your head. And it's a lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Bashful and all that kind of stuff. So, um, like I said, you know, this guy, Rick Reitz, is an upgrade from the original Bob. But still, I still think her dad's super himbo, good-looking dude. Dawson is supposed to have all this foresight in this director's eye and, you know, just he's so unfazed by seeing her his mom at a store helping this guy try on clothes and rubbing his shoulders and everything and seeing pretty decent evidence at least odd like i mean they work together but like they shouldn't be out affectionately trying on clothes together at least if you think they're having an affair and he just kind of writes that off and is like oh i guess i was wrong never mind bob's cool why like that i mean (laughs) even if you talk about advancing the plot right he could have just as easily said, all right, that's sketchy. Yeah. And, and Joey could have said, that is sketchy. But it made her weird noise she does. Yeah. And they still could have had their fight later. And he yeah. still could have shown up at the office. Everybody in this town is having affairs in public. There are four people in this town. 
They are making out in hallways. They're having oh, sex blatantly. at ruins. They're having sex in folk art museums and L.L. Beans and all the places where the whites congregate. They're all there. And everybody is making out. <laughs> it's, pre it's pretty insane. I also think that. I also keep I also keep saying, well, maybe Kevin Williamson, he's maybe he maybe Dawson's Creek, maybe they're maybe the show is to make fun of Dawson, but it's not. It's serious. And but as a person watching it and is you know writing down my serial killer red uh, red flags, he lets it go of Bob being a red a uh, 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 somebody who's being an, having infidelity with his mom because he asks him about his film, and it's like That's I don't know it. if Kevin Williamson wrote that on purpose, but like he. As a character, the character that we're seeing, you know, sometimes you see a character in a show and you just kind of make, you take the, the traits and stuff that you see and you create other characteristics. And he's such an arrogant asshole that as soon as he goes, oh, I heard you're like a really good director. I'd love to watch a film sometime. He goes, you know what? This dude's all right. You're on the money. It's 100%. He appealed to his vanity. And that's, yeah, I, I didn't even catch that one. Maybe you should start studying plot and oh, yeah, point of yeah, view. Yeah, yeah, that was maybe, a good yeah. one. Yeah, maybe. Or and also, it's just this show is so insane that yeah. I'm just really like, I have my binoculars on. I'm like, oh my god, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm digesting all of this. He just <laughs> he fed right into his um, yeah. his great need to be seen as special. So uh, so we get another caddy scene uh, between Grams and Jen that goes nowhere. Another little, you know, oh, my God, uh, Dawson's coming. You know, I'm going to go see Dawson. And then from there, we jump to Pacey and his teacher lover, Miss Jacobs, having a Parisian coffee shop style date outside of, you know, out on the street while she's grading papers or coming up with her curriculum. Something so teachery like to have, that to have a student come over in broad daylight. You know, like we're watching Casablanca or something. He might as well have popped out a cigarette out of the little case and put it to her lip and let it. Oh, are you grading papers here, Mademoiselle? And they have this. Now he's had sex with her. So now the, the hormones are unleashed. So he's like, let's talk about sex in school more. We need to this book. Everybody condemns sex. And sometimes sex can just be awesome. Am I right? And he's talking with his outside voice. There's other people around. And it doesn't it takes until he puts his hand literally on her that she pulls away. But before that, I would argue that conversation is inappropriate. That's wildly inappropriate. If a student <laughs> who, of course, I wouldn't be sleeping with, yeah. a regular student approached me and said that, I would say, because you have to handle people like that carefully. Yeah. I would say that's a fascinating idea. Why don't you draw up for me a draft syllabus of what you think <laughs> would be included and write uh, 500 words on each book as to why you think they should be included and what they can teach us? Because then they never do it and they go away. Yeah, bring it back. Bring it back to education immediately, so you give them no kind of because you you don't want to feed that by going like, oh wow, somebody's got sex on the brain. Any kind of thing a kid can just pick up on, filling the things. Oh man, she's into me. Any kind of thing, mm -hmm. and she feed, well, she feeds right into it. But you know, in in reality, they had already had sex, so it's not like she's leading him on anymore. They're just flirting as a couple at this point in the show. Like it's, that's just you know. No, because everyone's so self obsessed, no one's paying yeah. attention to anything. It's about else. me. Yeah, so it's about everybody me. can just make out. <laughs> yeah, just out in public but she does pull away from pacing you could tell that it crushes him because he's like wait but no like you're my girlfriend <laughs> you know like so that's why i keep saying you know there are signs that the 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 mental abuse is coming through in, in the pacey arc a little bit but the miss jacobs thing you are correct you she's not put in the in the perspective of a villain per se the power we he's showing us the power differential but he's not laying the fact that it is de facto abuse over the power differential yes. i yes. don't think he i would argue i don't think the director writer dude recognizes that that yeah. is de facto abuse 
Yes. He's probably going, you know, like, it's there, a gray area. there are layers and it's a gray yeah. area. It's not. It's defective. He's into it's it. That, yeah. Yes. It's abuse. Yeah. It's abuse. Yeah. It's abuse. Yeah. And He's, I think, he, yeah. yeah. And I think that may have to do with fantasy fulfillment. It may have to do with him imagining his characters as older yeah. than they are. Because he writes yeah. them like they're 45 year old, you know, philosophy grad students. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what, how it reads on the screen to me as an adult with children. Is I'm like I'm, they're gonna have to stay in the house for the rest of their lives because they might meet teachers. <laughs> it's a really it's a really insane dynamic, man. And and I thought that that scene I thought that scene was inappropriate, but it's the least appropriate inappropriate scene of this episode by far. And uh, so from there we cut to Dawson and Jen. They're uh, they're previewing Dawson's little shitty movie in his room, and and um, he then makes his way over to the bed where Jen is, and he you know he seduces her with some of his sexy FCC guidelines uh, knowledge about you know what. <laughs> He is the oddest bird I've ever seen. He's like, well, you know, you know. <laughs> he's like, you know, uh, you know, the FCC used to uh, make people keep one foot on the ground. It's like, this is a 15 year old girl from New York, man. This is the this this is a tr- this girl is smokes cigarettes and all the other things that they have you know put on girls from New York in the 1990s. I don't think she wants to hear about how the FCC guidelines. You guys could evade them right now by keeping one foot on the or whatever thing he was trying to do he said it like it was so sexy and flirtatious it's absolutely insane he's a serial killer and i and i that i wrote that down too i was like that's a crazy what a crazy thing to say to somebody at 15 years old i'm with you okay i think i've joined your team on this because that line right there that's like the appropriate line to say to like i don't know like a woman who was in the talkies you know, yeah. like in nineteen ten. Yeah. Like that would maybe be a hot line, like, you know. Yeah. Keep we'll keep one foot on the floor. Yeah. You know, back in old Hollywood they used to tell the gals they couldn't show their ankles, but I think maybe you could show me some ankles right here in my room and the FCC would wouldn't run, say anything about it. And I would never come back. Yeah, you're like, What? Get on a tugboat and leave. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. This dude's a Dude's insane, man. But Jen shuts him down gently. She lets him know, like, listen, we have forever to get to this, man. Let's you know, let's because he tries to do the pull her back on the bed thing. She stops that and, you know, and, and, and shuts that down. And then the next day we're, you know, we're in the ADR room and she's letting out some screams, kind of, you know, zeroing in on that, getting, and she can't really find it. And so they give up for the day. But the guy who's the producer there casually goes, hey, have you seen your mom today? Which when we see the next scene, that dude's a dick, right? I mean, that dude's like, hey, you, have you seen your mom? You know, she's fucking Bob, right? I mean, that's the. That's the tone of that once you see the next, or it was the tone of that in the moment even. Like, why'd you ask that? He could have just sat there and been silent. Did, was he doing it on purpose or was it just like deus ex machina, like the hand of the, the writer God coming in to make him go, have you gone look for your mom? You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. couldn't, I couldn't decide if he was like, have you seen your mom making out or, yeah. or if it was just like a prompt. I felt, I felt like it was more that because he, he goes, he did like a, hmm. you know, he did like a, he like shrugged it off like, well, well, you will. And then it's not like after he said that they went to go look for his mom per se. They went to go have a Diet Pepsi, a little product placement, you know, cracked Pepsi open at the at the soda machine. So I just felt like it was such a dickish thing. And maybe it was for exposition purposes where you go, oh, they're at the station now. So his mom would be here. But I also think that that's like it didn't fulfill that purpose. I knew where they were. So him saying that didn't make me go, oh, they're at the station now think he just was there to be a dick i think kevin williamson was i'm gonna write a little thing here to be like hey man uh saw your mom outside <laughs> and like laughed to himself like it basically is what he did so anyway as we've already alluded to they're enjoying their nice diet pepsi you know probably made a couple bucks off that and, and ad revenue and then 
Mrs. Leary and Bob come out of the office in the office hallway. And I mean, I've been to a couple of news, local news stations. It's a lot of I mean, people work there. It's not <laughs> it's not like just the news anchors are there and the cameraman. So the cameraman is not in the area so we can sneak a kiss. They're in a fucking they're in a, it's a it's a place of business. And they have a make out, not a hug, not a flirtatious, you know, whisper. They full on make out. And then she pulls him like they're going to go have sex in the closet somewhere. It was absolutely insane. And they could they came out of an office. Yeah, they could so have stayed in the office. They could have kissed in the office, opened the door like nothing happened. She could have like fixed her clothes. To choose to do that. Like there's other plot devices other than just a full-blown makeout. You know, the the messy hair fixing the shirt thing would have worked perfectly fine there. That choice was weird. The other choice would have been a little more subtle, you know, Oh, uh, him, you know, fixing his tie, some lipstick on his cheek, anything like that. It, it just was a weird decision, and and uh, I thought it was weird and very blatant. And then the, the camera fucking zooms in on Dawson. like He's, like, just fucking shattered, right? And then we get to, you know, one of your favorite uh, tugboat scenes where he's he is just, I mean, catatonic on a bench. Uh, Jen is sitting next to him. And this is another one of those scenes. Uh, I think Dawson is an absolute asshole. And, and every episode I've seen, there hasn't been an episode where he hasn't been an asshole. And she really tries to open up to him. She's saying, you know, we've only had kind of flirtatious interactions and surface level conversations. But I really like to be I would like to be the person that you share this moment with and you share your feelings with. And he just he gives her nothing and then leaves and goes right to Joey's house, his emotional doormat. And we find out that he actually just got up and ran <laughs> later on she, she was like i was really hurt when you just kind of you just left you so he ran. said nothing really literally they cut away from they him just getting too. up and <laughs> <laughs> he's like i can't do this i need to go see joey so he goes straight to joey's house and they go and have a conversation in the backyard where he the great lion that is dawson finds out while he's already down he gets kicked even further when he finds out that joey knew the entire time as well joey I didn't know. Did you? You knew. <laughs> How could you not say anything? Why? So you could hate me for telling you because you know that's what would have happened. <laughs> Besides, I, I thought you would have seen it by now. What? Well, you're a pretty perceptive guy usually, but I think we can agree that you've been a little preoccupied. What are you talking about? I'll give you a hint. Blonde hair about the last stages of a B-cup. Don't turn this into a discussion about Jen. Joey, you lied to me. I didn't know how to... What, you, what are you, threatened by Jen? Threatened, Dawson? No, I'm not threatened. I'm bored. You're bored, so you lied to me to curb your own boredom. I was trying to be your friend. No, Joey, what you did was not the action of a friend. What you did, let me make this perfectly clear, is disengage this friendship. No, Dawson. I was trying, and I didn't, I didn't know how to... Struggling for something to say, Joey? At a loss for words, don't worry. Your actions are far more articulate. Bye. See you later. Have a nice life. Oh my God, he's uh, he just he just is so long-winded and dramatic, and it's just it's all melodrama. I understand you just found out your mom's having you know an affair, but it's so like how could you betray me this way and all these different things like, and then he and, and then she's. Having a response like a teenager, mm -hmm. losing her words, trying to trying to find a way to describe the feeling of knowing your friend's mother is having an affair 
and not wanting to tell, not wanting to be the person to tell him. And her not being able to find the words makes sense because they're 15. Your lack of articulation oh. says more than you ever could or whatever. You know, like, yeah. sit burn, bye. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. How does he have any friends? He wouldn't. He has friends because the show's called Dawson's Creek. He has That's friends the only reason. The island is small. Are they on yeah, an island? Like, yeah, I don't know. They're on some kind of. There's no other. Like there's like six teenagers there. Yeah. Well, this show, this show breaks the fourth wall so much that I feel like at some point they're going to be like, well, we have to be friends because nobody else in this classroom talks. Like they all they all just sit here and don't contribute to the conversation. So you're the only guy that talks in this town. They don't want to let know? him in the Screen Actors Guild. They can't give yeah. him a line. Yeah, that would be dialogue. It's almost like these people are extras, and they like look at the camera and wink. Uh, so, so from there, he then um, first we see Pacey sees tomorrow with Mister Gold outside of the coffee shop, and he's not happy about that. You know, so it's a little foreshadowing some more of his anger boiling over. Then we cut from there to Dawson in a really awkward encounter with his mom because he's not ready. He hasn't he hasn't processed his feelings yet, so he's not ready to really. Um, confront her about what he saw so he just awkwardly kind of gets out of that conversation and fucking walks away and he goes and has this is the first interaction we've seen with him and graham it goes all right I mean, she doesn't really like him but he's like you know i'm here two things i'm here to pick up your dog or i know you don't like me goes into this whole thing and then he's here to pick up jen she goes and gets jen and then they go to this beautiful lakeside park where they have this nice conversation about you know she's she's she wants to be the person who helps him through this time, and she was a little hurt. She's very, I like Jen because she's very, they're all talking like adults, but she's one of the people who's like very upfront with her feelings for the most part. And so they start to walk after they, you know, he's like, do me a favor, swear you'll never lie. These are 15-year-olds. To make an oath that you'll never lie to a person ever at 15 is insane. But she takes him up on his on his proposal, right? And she goes, okay, well, if I'm going to be honest, I have had sex before with a couple of people. And immediately he's like, well, if he, she goes, I've had sex before. He goes, well, it was your boyfriend, right? And she goes, well, yeah, but like other people. And then he's like, you're gross. <laughs> immediately it's on his face and his body language of like, oh, I thought you were like a good person. Like that's his energy. It's like, oh, I just found out like you're a disgusting piece of trash. And and then it was so sad when she goes, "Will you hold my hand?" He's like, "Yeah, whatever, yeah, I guess." Yeah, it was sure. so it was so disrespectful, man. And it's like you asked for this, man. Like you you asked for for her to do this, and you immediately shun her and and slut shame her for the honesty that you asked for. I thought it was going to bring on a a bigger conversation, which it didn't. You know, uh, maybe you know, it'll so. bring more, you know, I don't know. I have to hope. I have to hope because I can't say right now. I have only seen as far as this episode and I will continue to do that because I like to speculate. I don't want to be right about everything. I don't want to know things ahead of time. I want to be just as surprised. But at the end of it, this doesn't wrap up with him being like, wow, I slut shamed a girl and that's not OK. And, you know, her life before me is her life. And that's completely fine. Like, he never really gets that at any point in this episode. And I feel like the, the next episode is going to be another another like you know storyline so they're not going to touch back on this per se they might touch on it a little bit but they'll touch back i bet i'll at least give them this i think that like the concept they're setting up is like this conflict between he sees her as the perfect woman and the perfect woman is an archetype and the perfect woman's an archetypal character from his terrible movies what i don't know you know and he so he likes her because she's a concept. So yes. whenever he finds out something human and normal 
and real about her, it hurts that image. It ruins his fantasy. Yeah, because yeah. he also has a fantasy about himself. Yes. And I deserve yeah. the perfect I deserve yeah. the perfect girl as well. I'm the romantic hero. And yes. this is the romantic heroine. But isn't that like I know people who, you know, are into writing films and directing and things like that. And they don't to look at your to look at the world through a lens is one way, like artistically, that's how you feed your passion. You you get inspiration. But he literally is walking through life like I'm the protagonist and you know, so things need to go this way. And my life can never go uh, astray from the trajectory that it's supposed to be on in my movie. That is my life. It's ins- it's insane. He's got a really bad personality. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in short, yeah, yeah. He has a very shitty personality. <laughs> it's 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 borderline psychotic. Uh, so so we end up now we're back at Capeside High, and Pacey continues to boil over with jealousy whenever he sees film teacher Mr. Gold and Tamara having interactions in the hallways and stuff. And anywhere, anytime he sees them together, he's immediately angry. And Dawson is now blowing off Jen, like strongly, like the the classic way that you see in TV shows. Where, oh man, uh, schoolwork can't. Maybe later, just completely avoiding her because he because she was honest with him. And then from there, Pacey, you know. Who is the victim of statutory rape? Let's just yeah. That is the main thing, right? But he continues to have this is there's only been one in this episode, but this has happened before where he comes in, has these intense monologues. Do you think if someone is having an affair with multiple partners, they should tell both partners of the arrangement? An informal survey, Pacey? Oh no, I think you'll agree that this is relevant. Well, with STDs and AIDS running rampant, not to mention the moral implications. No, I agree. If you were intimately involved with someone else, I'd want to know. Me? Oh, no, no, no. You don't turn this around on me. Don't turn what around? The issue. And what's that? Well, do you like him or do you like me? <laughs> you know, you're very disarming when you start sounding your age. I saw you two at lunch yesterday and today again in the hallway laughing together the way you brush his arm. Who's it going to be tomorrow, me or Mr. Gold? You know, I never knew you were so bothered by this, Pacey, because I'd hate to think I have to choose. I mean... Benji and I have so much in common. We love to talk about books and authors, and we're both big opera fans, not to mention our legendary man troubles. Man troubles? Yes, apparently in your extensive research, you failed to detect that I'm not exactly Benji's type. No? (laughs) Not unless you think I bear some resemblance to Mel Gibson. Mr. Gold is gay? He's so intense that to me, as we've already discussed, it kind of makes you sympathetic towards Miss Jacobs a little because you go, oh, wow, man, like, relax. And me being me for me to be saying anything negative to Pacey, it just inherently is a positive towards Miss Jacobs, even if it's not directly me being like, whoa, man, you're being really loud. You're going to get her in trouble. People might hear you. Why are you accusing her of having HIV? I'm automatically being like, hey, man, be cool to her. What? When I was watching it, I was like, wow, this really highlights his inability to participate with consent in an adult relationship. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, and she and she she acknowledges that. Yeah, because he's a kid and he can't deal with the adult emotions of yes. being an adult relationship. So that's the reaction that he has. Yes. And I was trying to figure out if that's what the director showrunner was trying to feed us. Or if he was just trying to be like, look at this kid going crazy and this woman handling it. And so this makes her a better person. Or is this once again showing us 
that they're in two very different places in life, which makes her even more predatory. I don't. Well, I have to go with B because in the middle of that back and forth, she lays out that she's a gay rights advocate. Her bestie, Mr. Gold, is gay, and that and so you're you're you've made a fool of yourself, Pacey. You've made a fool of yourself. I've handled your anger, and don't worry, we can continue to have sex with each other. He's gay. Calm down. I like you. Isn't it like, could you make the argument that this is all scarier because they're playing her as such a normal, balanced oh, woman? Yeah. They're not playing her as a Letourneau. Do you know no. what I mean? They're you play- he doesn't yeah. go to her house and she, she goes, oh, that's my daughter. I don't have her right now. Yeah. You know, he just goes there and she's like, I'm just single. You can hang out here. Like, there's no, I'm not married. Even, even that, something where you go, oh, she's going through something, like, She's she is married, and so no, th- that's why they had sex outside. So to see them at her house, he's what reading a Time magazine. It's like you guys could have just had sex at her house in the first place. Was it a Time magazine? Yeah, I assumed it was a comic book. <laughs> no, I was like, because I was like, oh, no, of seven, course, she doesn't seven. have comic books at her house. <laughs> I thought he maybe brought it. <laughs> it's like it was like a Time magazine about whales. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes. Yeah, so, he's so he's learning even at even at the teacher's yeah, he's, house. Yeah, he's trying to seem mature. He's like, you know, I wouldn't. I I want to be reading Spider Man, but I'm reading the uh, Time magazine articles. You know, this just scares um, me more. Her 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 mature her being reaction. stable and. Because yes. she should then be having a mature reaction to a 15-year-old in this sex abuse situation. That's what's terrifying. Yeah. I wonder what her friend would say about it. Oh, I, well, it doesn't seem... Her only friend is Mr. Gold. I wonder so. what Mr. Gold would say. He, so he's a well-balanced kind of normal teacher, which is what I was wondering. So if yes. we had that third adult pop up who was a normal, well-balanced person who could then offer some kind of perspective on this thing... You know what I mean? Like that would be nice. What What are you doing? <laughs> well, I feel like, and you're you're a, you're a professor, so you know, the it would there would be no, uh, the balance would be I'm calling the police immediately. There would be no you need to end this. It, you, it, there, so it's a weird kind of yeah. You know, there is no like hey you you need to end this and then you can keep 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 teaching here and I'll keep your secret. It's like no, I'm gonna report you in real life. Yeah, yeah yes. on TV. <laughs> They could they could talk about it, you know. They yeah, could, they, they, we they could work this out. Yeah, they might have a serious out. talk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm to give you a stern talking to about statutory rape. Okay, you, you got until Friday, and either you're gonna tell or I'm gonna tell. That would have been exactly the, what would happen. Yeah, that's the TV show version. <laughs> so, um, uh, so after Pacey's failed ultimatum, and then realizing that Mr. Gold is gay, it's kind of like, oh, everything's everything's fine. And then uh, after that scene, we, Jen now confronts Dawson in the hallways because she's like, "You're fucking blowing me off, man. Like, what's up?" And he kind of says nothing, really. I mean, he honestly, he he gaslights her. He's like, I'm fine. I don't know. You, I feel like you want me to say something, but I don't know what you want me to say. And it's like, bro, it's written all over your face. Everybody can tell that you're feeling uncomfortable since you found this out. So don't talk to her like she's crazy and you don't know what she means by you're acting weird. She just, this. he's been obsessed with this girl since the first episode. She asks him to the movies and he goes, oh, yeah, I have to study now. So the energy is immediately apparent that you're you're blowing her off, and he's like, "I don't know what you want me to say. I I'm fine," and it's so like, ugh, he's he's just such a he's agitating. I don't like Dawson, and he's the titular character of the show, so it's weird. He's toxic. <laughs> oh, he's incredibly really toxic, yeah, incredibly toxic. And every episode, every episode, he's toxic. Every episode is not failed. Dawson has been. To- I've gotten word. Uh, did a, an episode with Polly Katowski from Murder Squad, and she goes, "He's kind of like this until the second season." And then any even for like a moment, 
in the second season for a moment, you go, oh, okay, I mean, he's not that bad. And then he goes right back to being this way. So the title character of this show is like an asshole. So that's an interesting choice. He doesn't like get into religion or drugs or something. His movies are his religion. Steven Spielberg is, is his religion, Laura. Steven of all, Spielberg. Of all the things you could pick. <laughs> also to be, uh, to consider yourself a film buff and to be like really into Steven Spielberg movies, you know, you like, know I, like Steven Spielberg movies are cool, but like not, they're not cool. They're like fun family movies. Like, it's that's such a weird choice for you to you know at least pick on, italian man. horror you know what i mean like <laughs> daria or gento or something yeah. yeah for you to be judging people and you're like i follow the master of cinema steven spielberg it's like yeah i mean he makes great blockbuster movies or whatever but he's not like nobody would accuse him of being like you know a film genius or something like that. he just makes he just makes good movies from there Dawson, where, is he, where does he go now? He proceeds to go get uh, expert advice from his good friend, Pacey, who knows everything about women and how the world works. And, you know, the, the best person to get advice from in this situation where um, I look, listen, man, I've been slut shaming Jen and she's mad about it. So, like, what's up? And Pacey proceeds to give him terrible advice for 75 percent of the conversation. He's like, no, man, she's telling you that she wants it, bro. Like she's telling you, like, listen, I've had sex and now I want to have sex with you. So super toxic conversation. And but with wrapped in within that though, Dawson pushes back on him a bit and he goes, It's not about sex, it's about romance. It's 15. This is a 15-year-old boy. It's about romance. And then Pacey hits him back with Dawson, the Jen Lindley that you have built up in your mind does not entirely exist, okay? In your movies, she can be whatever you want, but in real life, the scripts got thrown out. So it seems. Listen. <laughs> All I can say is enjoy it, man. Life has some pretty unexpected benefits. <laughs> yeah. I could do without all the unexpected plot twists, though. And that's solid advice right there. You got to peel the layers back of all the bullshit. It's like an onion. But within the middle of that bullshit conversation they had, that was a gem. That was a real piece of information that he can take as a character and go, oh, yeah, maybe I am creating and building a person in my mind that she isn't in real life. Points, points for, uh, points for Pacey in that in that moment. After all the crazy shit he was saying, yeah, I was, I was with that, and and I mean, <laughs> and also it was more realistic, I think, for it to go with all the crazy stuff. Yeah, that was yeah, teenage he, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would fit in if he was just like Dawson. You're gonna have to realize, <laughs> I normally talk about boobs, but right now you're gonna have to, re you know, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, so. yeah. He had to be 15 for a little bit, and then the, the the writing side of the show comes in. and He gives him his real plot device of like. Hey, man, go forward with this piece of knowledge that you need to be more realistic with expectations of this girl. Exactly. So it got through. And I think I think he I think he took it. He also reveals in that scene that he is going to tell his dad about his mother's infidelities. And then from that scene, he marches home and he goes and he's in front of his dad. His dad's hemboing in the mirror again, fixing his tie or whatever thing that he's doing. He's very into his looks. And um, as he's about to get up the courage to tell his dad what happened, his mom walks in and he you know, he sees them and he changes his mind. He's he's going to let them have the night. It's their anniversary. I'm not going to ruin everybody's life. And I don't even know if he really realizes what the implications are of him doing this, like a divorce and splitting up and the house and all that kind of stuff. I think he just as a character, it's like, I know this piece of information. I'm disgusted by my mother. And so I need to drop dime on her, you know, so but he doesn't. He lets them have the night, which I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I would have liked some drama. I would have liked a nice confrontation in that scene. <laughs> I don't know. I zoned out for a minute during that part. 
Yeah, it's like it's because it's so like it's so pointless. Like if you're not gonna do it, then just don't show it. Don't what? show like I almost did it and then I changed my mind. Then I went to sit and look at creeks. Yeah, I just <laughs> when it's just him, my eyes just want to reject him. <laughs> yeah, he he he's he's kind of insufferable, man. He's a pretty he's a pretty insufferable guy, and I don't like him. <laughs> so so so. Uh, from there, we cut to uh, we cut to Joey. Now is being barraged from both sides of this fucking relationship. Dawson's constantly talking about Jen. Now Jen shows up to her job while she's closing. And I have friends who work in the bar industry I mean, when it was a bar industry. Jesus, uh, but when you're closing down, nobody wants to hear from the regulars. When I'm I'm trying to count the I'm trying to count the register out, I gotta you know fold these chairs up. And she comes and is like, I wanted to talk to you about Dawson. It's like, nobody, you know, no. And she gives her, again, Dawson is constantly uh, forgiven for his terrible behavior, and this is no different. She sits down with with Joey, and Joey gives her fucking terrible advice. She's like, hey, girl, listen, I know Dawson seems like an asshole, but he's actually like a really great guy. So don't you need to just work through that now and realize and be patient and know that he's a good guy. And it's like, why are you telling her that? She should ignore all the signs and the red flags of this guy being crazy and say, no, 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 he's good, though, just because I say so. We've seen, I've watched four episodes. I've seen no signs of Dawson being a good guy. He talks in, you know, these really assholey sentences. He's very, um, you know, uh, self-aggrandizing. He's a megalomaniac. He's really into his art. And he talks down on people. I think he's a jerk. And also, he puts all these weird expectations on girls that he likes. So those are all real things to be like, but he's good, though. It's crazy. Where did Joey get this information? He's that, not even good to her. The guys start out real shitty, but after a while, <laughs> those are the ones that it's they like get an egg, better. You know? Yeah, it's, like who told her this? Did she did she read this in Seventeen magazine? Like I want answers because that is very poor advice. That's terrible. It's like any guy that is an asshole to you, that's actually a good guy. You just got to stick it out. He'll continue what? to be an asshole. Yeah. You have to drive him to work when he loses his license. I I have a list of things. <laughs> you know, like but and then so, you know, they now they're kind of friends, even though Joey did the sad love Dawson forever face, which oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can tell when she's doing she's real sad about it because she yeah. fully puts her head all the way on her shoulder. Yeah. Shoulder goes up. Yep. Eyes roll all the way to the mouth side. Kinda, mouth kind of mouth kind of goes up. Mouth goes up, <laughs> and she's like, "Love." It's so sad. It's so sad. She's got pick- PTSD from all of these people constantly coming <laughs> to be like, "I'm here to emotionally shred you." Yeah. Again, Here's my baggage. For the third you hold time my today. baggage. So from them having their nice, meaningful conversation about Dawson and Jen to Joey. We go to Tamara's house. Oh, yes. Or to, to, I'm sorry, Tamara's house. I want to call her Tamara, too. I've never known a Tamara in my life. Nobody pronounces it that way. It's Tamara. She's just being an asshole about it. It's Fancy. like, no, it's, it's it's Tamara, you know? It's like that. Have you, have you heard the story about Alec Baldwin's wife? And she's like, I'm, I'm Hilaria. Have oh, you yes. heard about that I, whole I thing? I have heard about Hilaria. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah got, yes. that got me through a couple of rough days. <laughs> yeah, so she's, she's, she's Tamaria. So we cut, to, we cut to Tamara's house. They're at her house, and they're having this kind of husband and wife kind of thing where they're laying in bed and he's reading and she's grading papers and they're, you know, having a nice conversation, which inevitably comes around to the tropey conversation of how many people have you slept with? And how many was that? That mattered? You want numbers? Well, let's see. 
There was one in high school. And one in college. And since then, I'd say, uh, there have been three. But no one for a few years. And it must be an evergreen kind of trope because from 88, 98 to now, there is this whole, like, be honest with me, how many people have you slept with? And then the girl is honest, and then the guy doesn't take it very well. It's like you want to know until you, until you know. You know, that, that is done a lot in television and film, where it's like, what is it? I can handle it. And they always go, is it two? Three? And they go, I'm eh, like, nine. Oh, what? You know, it's just, you know, so. But to have that with a 30-plus-year-old woman and you're 15 is like, he goes, one of my favorite parts is he goes, so you're like 35, right? And she goes, you know, yeah, around that, like you said. And she go, and he goes, so you've like been with people, right? Uh, yeah, man, this is a whole ass grown up. What are you talking about? Like, why are you? <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say. But again, it's the he's a kid. Yeah, you know. So, and they so it's like I don't really know what the storyline is. Like, are we supposed to pick up on these things of like, oh, that's re- a really kid thing to ask? He's. What's interesting to me is. Dawson wants to know about, okay, this this just occurred to me. Dawson says he's the romantic, right? Yes. But Dawson wants to know about sex. But that was really Pacey's way of transitioning into asking about how many people she's cared about. He wants to know yes. if she likes him. Yes. So maybe yes. Pacey's the romantic. Oh, choo, 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 choo. oh you know? whoa, plot you twist. Plot because, twist. well, Dawson isn't capable of romance because that's an emotion and he's an emotionless robot serial killer. So he can only, <laughs> he can only put his, his ideas of things like that from, you know, breakfast at Tiffany's and when Harry met Sally. he can only use his plot devices from other things that he's seen to make his life that way. He yeah. doesn't really know how to do romance. Pacey's an actual functioning person. He just is in an abusive relationship. And yeah. He doesn't realize it. So he, you know, he's, 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 he's trying to be romantic with her. And then again, this is another situation where they kind of, humanize her and you know because they it was such a i had to pause it it was so gross and my fiance was in the other room and she goes i went oh and she goes that's so gross so having the conversation and she goes well there's been a few only a few that mattered and she goes there was one in high school there was one in college and then there was another one but then there hasn't been one for a few years and he's his face kind of goes like he's kind of dejected and like oh man she goes hey pacey yeah about the one in high school Mm. i didn't mean my high school Ugh, that's so nasty. And it, but it it didn't play like it played cute. Like it it there was music and it was it supposed was, to play cute. But <laughs> you, me, and your fiance all meant the same face, like, which ugh. was ugh. yeah. And then I, I didn't I, say my high school. I showed it to my husband, and he was like, "She should be in prison." <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting. So that was my line of the creek number two. What were people supposed to think in 1998? Were we supposed to go, aw? Like, what was the reaction meant to be to I, that? I, like, ugh, I'm trying <laughs> to think back. And I really, you normally would, the kind of reporting that happened about, like, around male students and female teachers, it really was played up much more salaciously. Yeah. You would not hear rape. You would not yes. hear statutory rape. Yeah, yeah, you would not hear, you'd hear sleeping with a student was 100% of the time what I heard, right? Um, you'd not hear sexual assault. You'd not hear coercive relationships. You'd not hear manipulation. Grooming. Grooming is a term that I didn't hear until probably the 2005, 2006. I'd agree with that. Yeah, like any of that kind of stuff. So like I knew of students and teachers sleeping together when I was like in middle school. Yeah. 
I went to like a weird alternative kind of school for high school. It was too small. If that had gone on, it would, people would have found it out real quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like people knew about it, but it was never talked about in those kinds of terms. You know what I mean? I don't think that the brain had evolved. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just more taboo than wrong. Yeah. It's more patriarchal stuff. It's the idea of thinking that a man can't be raped. Thinking yes. that a man can't be sexually abused, thinking that for a boy it's a it's a score and not a scar and not a scar, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's you know not. So, a but would you event. say even in the, even in the context of young girl man, there's still there was still more anger, but there still weren't these terms yet though early on. I right? think I mean, that, just, I think you'd that, just be called a, that guy would just be called like a rapist, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that sexual assault, yeah. Like I think when it was yeah. a young when it was like a young. A girl and a male teacher, it would be sexual assault. They would say he was having a relationship with a student. Yeah. But he would be prosecuted for sexual yes. assault. He would definitely get, like, the the predator yeah. picture versus yes. the women really would get, like, the hot for teacher kind of articles. Yeah. Like, it was really, the reporting was, it was really. It was like a page six kind of thing, like, oh, check out this steamy yeah, story. Yeah, high-fiving yeah. kind of stuff. And I knew yeah. that when I was at that age, like, junior high, high school, like, I thought it was gross, but I couldn't articulate why. Yes. Because the language wasn't there because we didn't talk about men being abused. Yes. And boys being abused. You know, like we did the language wasn't there. It just, I just knew it. I can't, I can't, I can't put it into words what it is, but it's yuck. Yeah. But, but the, but the conversations hadn't been had fully and flushed out for you to really put a, you know, put name to what it is. Because people hadn't circled back around to the idea that, like, patriarchy is damaging not just to women, it's damaging to men, too. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, I get into this all the time, man. I mean, the idea of, you know, uh, you know, you you know, people make they, they make jokes about, like, you you know, you can't show emotions or, you know, you know, hey, man, man up. All that kind of bullshit, I think, is just, it's really damaging to men. And then you have to live up to some, you know, false sense of what, a man is and then you end up like i don't know storming a capital and breaking stuff and you know you know smearing shit on windows you know whatever hypothetically you know just people end up doing the most crazy things when they try to live up to this idea of what a man is and that's really dangerous because especially when you've put all that into a man and then it turns into anger repressed anger and then what that man is capable of doing to somebody else yeah and, so not and only is it just yeah you like make and, yeah. it, it's it's mentally damaging to that person but then you also can unintentionally turn that person into a weapon that goes out and does, does damage to somebody else so it really is this cycle of just you know feelings that aren't really flushed out it's pretty nuts it is, and I remember like rumors, and everyone would just like give the kid a high five. Like I don't even yeah, know oh if they yeah. were true or not. It's just strange to go back and watch as a, as an adult and a mother. You know, I have a small child, but it's just kind of horrifying, and it kind of, it gives you like the the chest flutters because you're like it's weird. You're like this this shouldn't. I hope this doesn't happen. For sure, but it does because it comes on the news. Yeah, it's another thing you have to like keep an eye out for. Yeah, on top of the many fucking things, it's pretty nuts. But anyway, back to this insane nonsense, right? Yeah. So after that, I almost threw up in my mouth. Cutesy moment between Miss Jacobs and mm-hmm. and uh, Pacey. We cut to Jen having a conversation with her basically dead grandfather. I mean, he is he's not alive. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be in that home care. He's he's not well. He he's non consenting live journal. He's laying there and he's being forced to absorb. Every teenage thought, feeling, emotion, um, 
inappropriate sexual comment. He, yeah. She's pouring into him like he has a live journal, a tumbler, everything. That poor man, <laughs> if he ever wakes up, he's going to be like, I have heard terrible things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, what is this relationship? Like, she just goes there and she's like, Grandpa, I yeah. know you can't she, move. Well, Dear, dear Diary. Or is stop, yeah, Dear Diary, <laughs> also known as Grandpa. <laughs> I had a terrible experience today involving sex. Here are the details. And I was just like, hasn't Grandpa gone through enough? Put him in a hospital because <laughs> he he has not moved. You've only seen this episode. This guy has not had dialogue. He only is laying in that room, not moving. So I don't know if he's in some kind of medically induced coma. Apparently he had like a heart attack or something or in heart arrhythmia, not even as serious as a heart attack. He had heart arrhythmia. And so he's just brain dead, which is crazy for him to be at home. Is it hospice? Well, not hospice. I think he's supposed to be home recovering. Oh, okay. But like he's. He hasn't moved. He hasn't moved. He hasn't done anything. Not even like a hey, Jen. Nothing. He's it not moved. It seems really wild to not go in and just be like, Grandpa, I love you. Hear all the things I remember yeah. about our relationship. But she's like, Grandpa, I want to talk about, you know, guys keep talking about my boobs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I'm just- so, I, so I told Dawson about my crazy exploits back in the big city of New York and you know, the night with the three guys. And he's like, you know, he's just absorbing all of this. Poor Maybe I shouldn't have told him that, you know. It's like, you know he's so not going to want to wake crazy. up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll jolt him up one of the episodes. He's like, don't tell me this. I'm your grandfather. So uh, from there, now we, this episode was kind of on the more mundane side as far as intentional drama. You find all the, you know, the stuff that you look for in between the lines. But this is probably the most, the, the you know, the, the climax of the melodrama. We are now faced with uh, Dawson and Joey and their reunion as uh, Full of Grace by Sarah McLaughlin is playing. They uh, meet up at the ruins. This is where the affair, this is where the sex tape was filmed, is where they're, where they're filming that. And, um, you know, so this is the first time they've spoken bef- since their big blowout where he said goodbye forever and stormed off. And um, they go back and forth. He's first of all, he's very out of the gates. He's very bitchy and like, oh, uh, we're not friends and all this. He's so catty, man. I don't. Oh, he's insufferable. But after some guilt tripping, they make their way into some witty repartee where they make up this whole scenario about. It's such a it's such a like my best friend's wedding type of dynamic where it's like uh, they're in their scenario that they've created. They're married, but they are dating two people separately, but then they come back to each other as husband and wife. And then they get into it deeply and start to flush out the scenario. And then Dawson realizes like, Oh, she's really getting into this. I think she likes me. So then he backs out and then it gets uncomfortable. And then she walks away. And then from the shadows, which is where Joey lives in the show, she from the shadows as Sarah McLaughlin's uh, full of grace plays. She, she remarks to herself, like, this friendship is fucking doomed, man. Like, we can't keep doing this, and this is probably not going to end well. We're not going to be able to continue to be friends. And then the show fades to black, and it ends. And that was, <laughs> that was episode four of, of Dawson's Creek uh, Discovery. It's really fucking nuts. I, I thought that whole back and They always have these weird, flushed-out scenarios and hypotheticals where I'm this person and you're that person. And it's like, kids don't talk like this. Like, Beverly Hills 9 um, yeah, Beverly Hills 90210 is like the staple of teen drama. You know, it's very realistic. They're like, oh, my God, what are you doing? It's very realistic in the sense that at least how they talk. It's a ridiculous okay. show as okay. well. But The dialogue is, yes, I'll give you that. The dialogue is very realistic. 
Yeah, no. Everything else show, on Beverly the Hills, show. Yeah, Beverly Hills 90210 is ridiculous crazy as well. It's crazy as shit. But yeah, the dialogue yeah. is right. When everyone's like, you know, Brenta, you're a bitch. All right, bye. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much, that's that's 100% how you talk. Yeah. Yeah, it, nobody talks like this. think something you should have said two hours later. Yeah. But back then, we couldn't text. So you had to get on Instant Messenger and you had yeah. to send it to them. Or change then, your status to mm-hmm. that, like you know, when you when you yep. when you hurt me one time, and you won't get a second time. Song like, lyrics. Oh, that's about <laughs> away message. Oh my god. Okay, so now here at Down by the Creek, what I like to do is I like to play two games. Well, not one's one's a game, and the other isn't. Okay, so first thing I want to do is I'd like to play Joey's Choice. Okay, so you can only use the character traits that you've gleaned from this episode, which is the only episode you've watched, so, so it'll be really easy for you. You can only use the character traits that you've seen in Dawson and Pacey to decide as you, on a boat, you're in a creek, there's two men drowning in front of you. Who do you save? Pacey. <laughs> Nobody has saved Dawson yet. Pacey needs Nobody therapy. Has... Yes. I need to He's get a sympathetic into, character. I need to get him into intensive therapy immediately. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sympathetic character you can feel you feel for for pacey nobody wants to be stuck on that boat when they pull dawson out of the water nobody no because that's he'll a- be like oh we should have get underwater cameras so we could capture that angle <laughs> wow so that was easy no thought nobody it, it has taken no one more than five seconds to go yeah no not dawson whoever the other person is that's not dawson so wow okay so um First of all, Laura, before we get into wrapping things up and, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, I want to say thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I appreciate that you taking the time out to watch this ridiculously show, this this ridiculously white show. It is it is it is exceptionally white. I was trying to think if I had seen anything whiter in my life. That's what I was doing. And I can't think of anything currently. Yeah, not much. I I, I really can't think of maybe Seventh Heaven. Seventh Heaven. Oh, yeah. No. The epitome of, you know, it's like white Anglo-Saxon. Christian people saving people who are sinners in their eyes. But that's also that's, that's the that's pinnacle. Like white paternalism. This <laughs> yeah. is this is just this is the catalog white. Yeah, angsty, angsty LL Bean whiteness. Yes, I would. Concur. You know, like mellow melodrama. Nothing's really, you know, nobody's like gravely poor or going through something real. It's all just like. Things that anybody could be going Upper through. Upper middle class white catalog. Yep. <laughs> yes. Now, um, what I like to do here is I like to ask people to uh, tell me what this episode that they watched taught them. And while I do that, I'd also like to play covers of Paula Cole's I Don't Want to Wait, which doesn't play in this show for, um, for copyright reasons. But I like to pick a nice cover of somebody. So if anybody has a cover that they would like to send to the show for me to play in this moment, you can send it to creektalk98 at gmail.com and I will play it. So while you're gathering your thoughts, there will be a nice Paula Cole cover in the background for when you're prepared to, uh, you know, let us know what you learned from this episode of Dawson's Creek. So, Alvin, um, first, I really want to thank you for inviting me to watch this episode. It You're really, so welcome. It really helped my workout yesterday. <laughs> I was able to really push. Anger. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I didn't quite hit like a personal record, but it was close. <laughs> um, and I was like on the, the bike for way longer. Um, and I think that what I learned from this episode um, is that Jen should move back to New York. <laughs> immediately yeah there's there's 
there's nothing for her here. She... (laughs) being slut shamed by her grandmother by the boy she likes and her grandmother doesn't stop her from doing anything no she just casts judgment she just talks smack and she's like okay go out and get pregnant you know (laughs) get tied to this young man in this middle class upper middle class neighborhood speaks to you in a patronizing way (laughs) and isn't interested in your thoughts or feelings but likes your shiny hair yes jen needs to go back to new york Yes, on the first thing smoking. Bus, train, tugboat, whatever whatever she whatever vehicle will get her out of this town, out of Cape Side, get on it immediately. Joey needs to go to college. Yes. And uh Chicago, maybe. Yeah. Art yeah. school. Yeah. Real yeah, far I'm into away. That. Yeah. Shave most she of needs her a head. Fresh start. Pierce her nose. Ooh, I like it. You know, yeah, go and all leave, in. And then, you know, and just never speak to him again. Yes. Everyone needs to leave, and Dawson should just stay there and suffer. Oh, alone. can I learn more, one more thing? Please. Their school needs to have um, an assembly to explain okay. some basic concepts about consent, who can consent, yes. who can't consent, yes. child sex abuse. Yes. And a few other really important topics that apparently have not been discussed in yeah. Connecticut or Massachusetts or wherever this place is. <laughs> yes. Well, Laura, I would love to give you the platform for the next however long you need to explain to people where they can catch you on a couple of your amazing podcasts, whatever else things that you have in the work. I know you do a lot of incredible things. You, um, I'm, I'm very in awe of a lot of the things in the work that you do. You um, are working to bring closure to a lot of people, and I think that what you do is very necessary. And as somebody who does a true crime podcast with jokes and all that kind of silly stuff, and just I lean to people like you to learn how to do the investigative side as, as right as I can. So I would love for you to let people know where they can catch you doing your thing. There's room for all of us. I just also want to say that, right? I think that there's room for all this kind of stuff because when I want to relax, I listen to the funny ones, you know? Yeah. So um, uh, you can find The Fall Line pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we cover unsolved cases largely in the Southeast United States. We're doing some national cases right now as well. Um, So what we cover is we look at cases that haven't gotten significant media coverage, that's really important. So if it's like been on disappeared, if it's been on TV, we're not going to cover it. And the main thing with that, the reason why is because we are looking at cases that affect people who have experienced marginalization. So if it's a case where there's a lot of information out there, we feel like there's people with lived experience who can talk about that case. But if there's a case that's really obscure, no one else is going to cover it. But I have the research skills to research it. And can pull that stuff and we can make a case about it. And my podcasting partner, Brooke, is a trained, licensed professional counselor and she works in grief and trauma. Yeah. So she works with families. And so we work together to do that. We work with uh, content advisors who do have the lived experience that we don't have to go over our scripts. We have um, a couple important things coming out soon. One big one is in September. In February, oh wow, that already (laughs) happened. Yeah, in February we have a two-part series on Georgia Lee Moses from Petaluma, California. We're working real closely with her sister Angel on that. Yes, we have some great interviews. We have a really good episode on Leon Lorella's coming out. We have a three-parter on Geraldine Deloach. Um, I'm working on with the GBI on a Doe set of cases. So we have a lot of stuff happening. 
And we're also doing fundraising through Patreon to try and fund some big projects. One of the things we're working on is we're building a fund for therapy for families. That's amazing. So um, families who've been really on necessary the sh- too. Yeah, and we don't like to just leave people after we talk to them. You know, this is yeah. especially important to Brooke. So we're trying to build a therapy fund so that we can offer teletherapy to people, yeah. like one full year of something like BetterHelp. Wow, yeah, So we're for working sure. on that. We have billboards going. We got rewards going. We're funding some other stuff. So we're just trying to gather funds. So that's, What's the Patreon? Patreon is just the Fall Line podcast. Okay, awesome. Yeah, okay, cool. and we put all yeah. our Patreon money. We have like, if you go, there's like a public blog that lists all the projects we're working on and like where yeah. stuff goes. Awesome, yeah. So Transparency, is, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah and like uh, yeah. the last thing that goes into is the show. Yeah. And then when it goes into the show, it goes into paying you know, like our content advisors or, you know, a mic breaks. So I have another show that's a lot less serious. It's called One Strange Thing. Um, Oh, yeah. And it's an archival news show. You've also been on that one. You've been on both. Yes, I have. It's it's an archival news show where we look at um, just strange regional news stories that we research and uh, that have one unexplicable kind of moment that can't quite be explained and i just it's my favorite thing to dig through news archives and put together these fun little stories and i make that with maura who's the producer of the fall line and so that's super fun and you're an alvin's episode is called the trucker you listen carefully and you'll actually hear a couple other people that you might recognize in that episode yeah, so I, I enjoyed that episode very much well Laura, I know that you're incredibly sad to no longer be able to talk about this show but our time has come to an end i Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. And I had a great time and I've enjoyed diving into the chaos of Cape Side with you. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this. I'm really having a good time blasting through this nonsense. Uh, but until next time, see you guys next week.